100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Good morning, this is Jeff Shannon, in for Tony Richards, and this is Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfnmbank.com. We're here each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here at WHIN, and this morning, let's welcome in our guest, Michael Sands, with Guardian Detective Agency. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start off and uh, let's let everybody know who you are, what you're about. Tell us about all of your adventures and what you have going on. Again, uh, my name is Michael Sands. I am a private investigator. I've actually been in business 21 years now. Started my business in Texas as just myself and I grew my business nationwide with a team of investigators and uh, currently in Hendersonville, Tennessee, the last 11 years. Grew up in a little town called Hartford City, Indiana, population about 6,000. Uh, went to college for aviation flight technology and management, so I have a commercial multi-engine pilot's license. And while working in college part-time at a county jail, I started working at a police department, and that kind of caught my interest. So I started doing law enforcement full-time and joined the Army Reserves and uh, became an officer, went to officer candidate school while I was working as a police officer. And so how, how long did you do uh, law enforcement? I did law enforcement full-time for 13 years and uh, a couple years active duty with the military, then went reserves for the rest of my time. And with the reserves, I was a transportation officer where we moved um, equipment, personnel all over the U.S., the world, land, sea, and air. Then I went to uh, Army Helicopter Flight School, so then I became a, a pilot when I uh, was a first lieutenant. And that's where I actually met my wife. She was a pilot as well in flight school. And she um, was active duty Army, just graduated Vanderbilt University. And uh, so in flight school, we flew together. We had a small class, about 20, 25 people. Everybody's pretty close. Stayed together, hung out together. And my wife and I actually flew together, had the same instructor. So we hung out, studied, literally became best friends. Then eventually fell in love and got married after flight Then she active duty, moved to Texas. So I left my police captain job at that time in Indiana and moved to Texas with her. Well, when you went to, when you went to uh, doing the helicopter, what, what kind of uh, choppers did you fly? I flew uh, OH-58s and Hueys. So... So the, the I think a lot of people ask, uh, well, what about the Blackhawks? What about those things? <laughs> kind of crazy uh, vehicles out there, but they're they're something else, aren't they? Yeah, the Blackhawks are pretty unique and can be modified for a bunch of different missions uh, with armament, uh, electronics. They're pretty unique aircraft and very versatile. Why most? While I was in Texas uh, flying for the Army Reserves, my wife was active duty. That's when I started my PI business in Texas. And after a couple of years, so she got out and she started working with uh, 
became a special agent. So we moved around a little bit throughout the U.S. and uh, just maintained my PI business and had to start over everywhere I went and build my business. And it's just kind of grew from when I started in Texas as myself to the team of investigators and resources throughout the U.S. I had a base of operations again, started in Texas, Birmingham, Alabama, Indianapolis, Indiana, South Bend, Chicago, and Hendersonville, Tennessee, the Nashville area the last 11 years and don't plan on moving. Well, yeah, I was going to say, well, why, why would you? It's kind of a little calmer here, and I think in Chicago or a lot of different places. Going back to the, the law enforcement background, you know, you and I have something in common in that regard because I was uh, 10 years on the job, and I soon, you know, I soon realized that you know, I, I was making more money uh, being a photographer at, at that particular point. So you know, after 10 years, I started evaluating where I wanted to go and, of course, making money more money doing photography and not risking your life. And this was, you know, prior to a lot of the craziness that's uh, going on at, at this point. And, you know, being in law enforcement now, as you, if you kind of reflect back the way it was versus the way it is now, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. Totally over here for ball game now compared to what it was when I was full time. Like I said, uh, by the time I was 26, I was already a police captain and I was a cannon mm-hmm. officer. Um, that kind of stemmed from me progressing through the, police ranks because my uh, ranking in the, the military um, with those responsibilities. But yeah, this, the situations and the kind of the craziness they have to deal with now and the quality of life as a police officer is not what it was then. That's when, again, I started my PI business, realized I could have a lot more flexibility, better quality family time, make more money and was more passionate about what I did. And there again with the PI stuff, a lot of stuff would do is surveillance. So we're not in front of people confronting people and uh, having that situation that we can escalate. Well, we're in the shadows. Uh, nobody really knows, sees us when we're there. That's what's kind of fun. When we go to court, they're like, who the heck are these people? Because they've never seen us. We blended in. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting that you say that, how you transition, because you can use your, your law enforcement background into the, the, you know, the PI business, of course, and... Uh, now, do you find that uh, a lot of the same laws as, it, you know, LEO versus it, does it kind of go hand in hand when you're doing the detective work? Pretty much hand in hand, although as a PI, there's a lot more flexibility where law enforcement is pretty much black and white. But as a PI, we work in a pretty dark gray area. I mean, we, again, we have some flexibility and uh, can adapt and overcome to uh, different situations to uh, benefit us and get some information needed to make our cases successful for our clients. You know, there's been a lot of uh, videos on YouTube about, uh, you know, the, the, the detective uh, agencies that go out and, well, actually they're, they're probably uh, bonds people where they, they go and track down people and you know, rearrest them for skipping on their bonds. And of course it gets pretty violent, pretty crazy. Have you seen some of the YouTube videos on some of these guys, but uh, how are you getting involved in any of the, you know, bonds kind of situations no never been interested in that again it you know not advantageous uh really monetarily or even you know risking the safety of myself or my investigators as well i say we do a lot of surveillance um following people via cars walking around blending in shopping areas restaurants again we're uh the most advantageous position of surveillance sometimes actually the most obvious where we're blending in somewhere sitting in a neighborhood with some fictitious magnetic signs on our vehicles as a business 
so we blend in the neighborhood while we're uh, documenting activities of our subjects. And I've run into a situation like that before where they, they have, you know, the magnetic signs. They were like an, an electrical company or things of that nature. And you, if you go into a gated community and somebody's doing that, you kind of draw attention. You know, if, if a car is still sitting there and, and continuing to sit there, people are going to come up and say, hey, what's going on kind of situation. How do you, how do you handle that if somebody comes up and they start inquiring? You always have a uh, kind of a backstory or something to go to uh, or a pretext if you're approached with somebody that's, as a PI, you're always, what to all my investigators, how creative you can be is how successful you are. So, again, having a kind of story already made up when they come up um, and what you're doing there. Because um, no, normally, always, we uh, no, notify the local law enforcement uh, where we're going to be, how long we're going to be. They know you always want our vehicle description, plate number, and our cell phone number. And so if somebody in the neighborhood calls, and say, they'll say, yes, I, we know they're there. They're they're legitimate. They'll probably be there for a few hours doing the business they need to do. So have you run into any situations with residents that are obviously not involved in the case you're on? Uh, have you run into any situations where it kind of got out of hand or people just didn't understand? No, never really have. Actually, kind of the opposite. I, myself and some of my investigators were sharing some stories uh, a few weeks ago where you know we're sitting in some neighborhoods where you can't, you know, we're set right close to a house. So we're maybe a block or two away from the subject we're watching, maybe waiting for their vehicle to leave the area so we can establish mobile surveillance. And sometimes if it is a close-knit community, we'll approach, we see a neighbor come out or in the yard or grabbing mail or taking trash out, we'll approach them, identify ourselves as a PI, and say, hey, we're working a case, uh, a child custody case, or we're serving a paper, we're just waiting for somebody to leave the neighborhood a few blocks away. Do you mind if we sit here for a few hours or the rest of the day until they leave? Most people are, you know, actually pretty excited to meet a PI in person. Mm-hmm. Normally asking us if we need anything to drink, if we need your restroom, come oh, inside. Yeah. yeah. So we've had those experiences more than not. You know, I think it's, you know, it, every situation, you know, is, is somewhat different. So you have to go in, you know, prepared for anything that, that could happen. Had you, have you had a, a situation you know, where you were made and then have to do a pursuit or any of that kind of situation? Unfortunately, in the, like I said, the last 21 years of been doing this work, we also do quite a bit of a workers' comp fraud. And I was actually working a surveillance in uh, central Indiana where, after the fact, I realized we received a case from the insurance company and the insurance adjuster did not inform us that the case had been worked previously by another company who had been burned or been made by the person they're doing surveillance on. This is the surveillance case. I was actually working myself personally. So I was actually probably three blocks away from this subject's house. He leaves in his truck, um, goes the opposite way from me. I wait a few seconds till he leaves, turns on a side street, not parallel him on another side street, and come back to him where he'd normally be and he wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, doing my due diligence, I mean, being as careful as I could be, nobody would realize they were being followed. Then end up, he pulls up beside me, rolls down his window, starts yelling at me, and I roll down my window, turn on him, and just start screaming at him and say, are you guys, that guy's been messing with my girlfriend? And he totally panics and hits the gas and takes off. So it's kind of, you, know, you got to be creative and yeah. <laughs> instinctive, and I just turn it on him, then we called it a day. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I mean, the stories you could tell, I mean, I think everybody, the first thing they ask you, you got any, any like crazy things you've run into, um, you know, misunderstandings or those kinds of things. But I mean, the stories you can tell, I think were, would, would, would be amazing that you have to keep remembering all the details of these things. You can almost write a book of it later, you know, as, as you proceed in down the business, but, uh, any kind of story that was shocking or maybe even one that's really enjoyable oh there's so many and actually you talk about the writing a book i'm starting a, a book of like short stories and all these different crazy cases we worked and uh i mean just not only the cases but the things you see when you're doing surveillance because you're always aware of your surroundings but we were on a case uh probably eight months ago and one of my best and i were doing surveillance um it was a child custody case where the dad was allegedly doing drugs and we'd catch him leaving to go buy drugs at some apartment complex. Well, while we're sitting down the street from uh, his house, we see some guy running by our cars, you know, probably about 80 feet in front of us. Then probably about 30 seconds later, we see this girl running down the street with a butcher knife in her hand running behind him. No. <laughs> like, oh, no. So uh, one of my best guys took off to monitor what was going on while we called the local police department to – to resolve that situation while you're on the case. <laughs> and you always got to be aware of your surroundings and never know what you're going to see. Absolutely. Um, have you had any uh, situations where they're actually, it, it got physical or some kind of altercation that you, you had to handle? No, never. Like I said, again, you know, we're pretty tactical in the shadows, blending in, and you know, never been confronted like that at all. So, I mean, you, if, if serving papers, I mean, I know that there's a lot of tension when you go to serve pa- papers either you know, some kind of civil case or whatever the, the situation it may be. But it seems to be that uh, you'd run in some uh, heated situations when you're trying to disperse that, that document you've been served. Tell us a little bit about so, the, some of the requirements that have to be met in order for a person to be served. Well, like state of Tennessee, you have to be 18 years older to serve the paper. And basically enough on some of the state laws, you can't serve on Sundays in Tennessee, which uh, is kind of unique for the state. But as far as the process service, yeah, we, we do quite a bit of that. And um, we're kind of known for the go-to uh, for those that are avoiding service or hard to serve or, the, or a lot of these attorneys can't find. We actually have a couple of process servers in Nashville. That's their business. Their only business is process service that refer us to their clients when they can't get somebody served or can't locate them. And again, yeah, we've had, you know, you get it once in a while, somebody gets a little irate or says they're not going to take the papers, that's fine because they don't have to touch them in hand. They just have to know they're being served. Um, even if they have them in hand, throw them out the door, that's fine. They have they know they're being served. Or uh, like last week I had a, I call a threshold service. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, went to serve somebody and uh, identified them when they opened the door and they said, well, we're not going to take them. And I just laid them down at the threshold and, uh, said, have a nice day, and walked away. Kind of the unique thing we do, uh, again, we're a little more persistent and creative in uh, our service things. But one of the other things our clients like is we do, uh, we always take pictures of video of the service, which is not required by law. We just have to sign the affidavit validating that we serve them. So we always go above and beyond, and it's always kind of interesting and fun to see the pictures and video of these people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, or being confrontational and doesn't look good in court in front of the judge either. 
Well, that I mean that's awesome. Listen, we're up on our first break right now. We're going to find out more with Michael Sands, uh, and here's some more of this interesting topic of detective work. It's uh, it's interesting for sure. So uh, we'll be back more with our conversation with Michael Sands after this message from our sponsor, FNM Bank, at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, and at myfnmbank.com. We'll be right back. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights since 1906. FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight and our guest, Michael Sands with Guardian Detective Agency. Uh, Michael's been giving us some real important information. And Michael, share with us a little bit more about the, some of the, ed- how we can educate the community on, well, if they're being served, uh, what to do. Um, what can you tell us about that? If someone's, being served by a process server, a private investigator, you can't avoid it. You can try all you want to. You're still going to have to go to court. The charges or the case is still being filed against you, uh, or you're still a witness in the case. Again, just accept it. There's no uh, vengeance or hard feelings by the person serving the papers or have a family as well. We're just out doing a job and uh, you know, hold no grudges and just trying to complete the work that we need to do to work on, move on to the next. And you kind of touched a little bit about uh, as, as a, the legal requirements that you must do to prove that they have been served so they don't come back and say, well, I, I didn't really get served. But you have a unique thing that you do with uh, taking pictures of the uh, the event. And of course, if, you know, I, I guess you can blur out faces or things like that to, to not show. But what are the what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's not required by law. The, the only thing required by the person serving the paper is to sign an affidavit stating the date, time, and who you served and where. Uh, again, you know, we always go above and beyond. Um, again, we always take pictures or video of the service so we can validate to our clients or the court of law that, you know, it, they were served. And again, creative with that, whereas, you know, we'll set, we pull up to a place, we'll set a camera up in our vehicle or wear um, a body-worn camera. And most of the times, We'll just have our cell phone out holding the papers by our cell phone. And, you know, nobody's paying attention to that because everybody has their cell phones out and uh, document everything going on. And depending on the case, too, like uh, the other day, well, let's see, it was probably about last year we had a case where um, I had an investigator go to this house four times, knew they were in there. A lot of times we can serve the abode or post it on there knowing they're there and avoid service. But we're going to kind of, of course, take it up a notch. Um, so I had my investigator go in and when he was going in to, uh, knock on the door, I'm a FAA certified drone pilot too. I had a drone hovering about 150 feet above the house and the camera zoomed in on the front door where he was at with that client. And, uh, they never answered the door. So I had him post the, the affidavit on the door. We had a couple extra copies, and we also put one on their windshield and the driver's side door of the vehicle that was outside the front of the house as well. And when he drove away, um, recording from the air with the drone, and we documented them walking out and grabbing the papers, staying there, reading them, and walking back in the house. <laughs> so we can validate that they actually were served. So, again, uh, going above and beyond and getting the job done. 
We'll get into, uh, you have another business with the, with the drone since you, you brought that up, but we want to get into that, uh, you know, the drone kind of business and how big that is. But I would think that with surveillance, this has got to be an awesome tool and there's a lot of them out there. So people probably wouldn't think anything of it if there was a drone, you know, flying above them or, you know, following them or anything like that. But you can get a lot better perspective of, of uh, a situation uh, going in if you're, you're trying to surveil the area, if you have to go in, if there's, you know, the you might see some dogs or wild animals in there that you you might have to encounter, but the the drone has to be a valuable tool. It is an asset now, um, although we don't use it to record persons or really activities. We use a lot of uh, pre surveillance or documenting uh, who may be at the house, like vehicles. Um, so for pre surveillance, you know, a lot of times we'll always uh, look at Google Earth and see what the situation or neighborhood layout looks like. Um, but if we have time, we can go in and be a few blocks away, launch the drone and see how the layout is. If there's new trees that have grown, other houses have been built, a new road built where they may have another route of departure if we were setting outside of the neighborhood that they could leave and not, not see them. So in the situation where you're going to utilize that drone and, and you run to the people say, well, I know the law and I, you know, you, you get that all the time. Well, I know what the law is. What is the law when it comes to doing surveillance, you know, using a drone kind of tool? Kind of general rule is uh, so not invasion of right of privacy. Again, we're just documenting, mainly when we use it, we're documenting like to see if the certain cars are there or uh, if there's any illegal activity going on or um, actually the one case we had when we started using the drone, I had a case out in the country child custody case where um, when the dad had the four-year-old daughter, he was not supposed to be drinking or having any parties or anybody over at the house because uh, he had supervised visitation by his parents. So when he had the daughter, he was at his parents' house. And also the little girl had been bitten by one of the aggressive dogs his parents had. So the judge ordered the parents to have the dogs kennel while she was there. When we went out to first do surveillance, this is out in the country and the homes are 100, 200 yards apart. We couldn't sit and do surveillance because we stick out. Even if we do a drive-by spot check every hour, hour and a half, if anybody's outside, the heads and eyes just follow each car that go by because they know nobody who lives out there. That's when I determined I need a drone. Hmm. At that time, two years ago, um, we had to have a drone license to fly commercial or to get paid um, for your services to fly a drone. With my commercial pilot's license, I could legally fly a drone commercially. I ordered one off of Amazon, got one in, learned to fly it in my front yard over an hour, then took it out and uh, launched it about a half a mile away in the country on where the subject was had his daughter at. And surprisingly enough, um, it was kind of disheartening. I mean, they were having a party out there. You could see from the video they were drinking. Then the what still the deal on the case is i saw that little girl running across the yard four years old and crouching down hiding beside the house because one of these dogs was out running around mm. and that just totally made our case yeah definitely you know a lot of tools that that you can use what are some of the the other items that you use to to get your job done our favorite weapon is a video camera that's that's our go-to we document everything and videotape every case um, what's going on who's coming or going vehicles again high quality video cameras where 
the cameras we use actually have night vision as well. Even with the settings, we can you know make night look like day with the shutter settings and uh, exposures. Again, a lot of it, um, some of the hidden cameras, but again, a lot of times a good cell phone. I mean, the quality of cameras they have now on these cell phones, especially when we're on an infidelity case and following somebody in a restaurant and having an affair, me having dinner and being intimate with another partner, we go in and blend in and just use our cell phones to document that. So everybody has cell phones out all the time, nobody thinks about it. So that's where we can actually get used a lot and document a lot of activity and evidence with those. Now you're not actually like required or anything to have like uh, the body cams. I mean, that's been in the news with, with law enforcement, obviously, and obviously can, can be a, a great tool for uh, the department. But uh, are you utilizing any of the, the body cam kind of um, equipment? The only time we've really used a body cam in the last few years is like as an additional tool for process services just to document that. Kind of back in the day when I started PI stuff, you know, we didn't have the technology we do now or mm-hmm. even GPS. Or we had larger video cameras and I'd have, to, I'd have to hide that in a bag or a backpack. And I had a wired pager that had a pinhole <laughs> camera in it. <laughs> that would record to that camera. So, I mean, that since then, no. I mean, we even had a, a button camera. I still have in my arsenal. So you change out a button on your shirt, and it has a pinhole camera that shoots through that. Mm. I mean, being back then, the quality was good then, but not even compared to now for the small cameras you have or even cell phones. Well, I know there's a, a lot of that, you know, the different kinds of cameras that are, are out there and the different ways that, that they're displayed. And, and obviously you can use them to your advantage, absolutely, for sure. And, you know, to be covert and, uh, you know, kind of be sly with it. But uh, it's, it's interesting when we start talking, you know, comparing the, the law enforcement aspect versus the detective side. I remember back in law enforcement, I had a chance to run into, you know, some some uh, PIs for doing different kinds of things. And you, you really don't involve law enforcement. I mean, they can't assist you in doing what you're doing. So how does that uh, affect your, your job at all? You really never had any problems with local law enforcement. Again, if we're on a case, um, we always give them a heads up where we're going to be and, you know, who we are and the uh, time frame we're going to be. Of course, we never divulge. We've had a couple of ones ask who we're watching, and of course, you know, we can't divulge the information, you know, with the right to privacy, you know, or client confidentiality. Mm-hmm. We never give up who we're working for or who we're watching or what kind of case it is. Um, but no, we never really had any problems with uh, law enforcement or and never have them assist with anything either. Well, we're up against our second break right now. We've been talking with Michael Sands with Guardian Detective Agency. Uh, we're going to be back to talk with more of them and, and find out a little bit about possibly how you can become a PI and what are the requirements are for that. So uh, we'll be right back after this message from our exclusive sponsor, FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfnmbank.com. We'll be right back. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. All right, welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon in for Tony Richards here this Sunday morning. And we've been talking with Michael Sands, a private investigator with Guardian Detective Agency. And Michael, uh, it's... So nice to have you here with us and and doing this. Let's um, let's talk and jump into the fact how do, if somebody wants to become a PI, maybe they have you've you've inspired them to to do something with their life and they want to become a PI. Uh, what should they do? Yeah, hey, thanks, Jeff. Uh, appreciate you having us again. I greatly appreciate it. And 
to become a PI in the state of Tennessee, you have to be hired by a PI company. So you can't just go out and apply and get a PI license. So you can have, you have to start your own PI company if you want to be a PI on your own, but you have to have experience, validated experience to have your own agency. So that's what I did for Tennessee when I transitioned here after doing the research. So I had to take a test, file, pay the fees, start my own company. Then the next day, hire myself and take another test to become a PI. So again, but in the state of Tennessee, for a PI, you don't need any experience really whatsoever. I mean, it's good to have some, but let's say five of my PIs never had any PI experience prior to hiring them. Two are real estate agents, another one previously owned a sign company, um, another one had, you know, some odd and end jobs off and on, another one was a, like a IT person, another one was an accountant. Again, uh, so we do a lot of on-the-job training as well, and I do that for all my investigators. So, you know, they have you know they have the same ethics, integrity as I do. And again, having that investigative mindset or just to be able to be creative, again, as I stated previously, I tell my investigators how creative you can be is how successful you are. When we were talking about process service earlier. Again, you know, we're known to as uh, – being creative, going above and beyond to get people served. One that stands out, I had uh, about two years ago, had a young girl in her mid-20s that was avoiding service, and she would move actually from friend's house to friend's house and didn't have a car. So she was kind of off the grid. But when I did my uh, database search, I had found a previous address for her, which I was like two steps behind her, but I talked to that friend, and... Uh, kind of built a rapport with her and she stated, asked her where she, she knew where she worked and she gave me the location she worked at. It was perfect. So what I had done is I called that employer that the subject worked at and posed as a fictitious flower delivery company and uh, said I had some flowers to deliver. When would she be working? What department? Where would I need to go to get these flowers to her? They're very open and receptive. So just come to the reception desk and we'll take you right to her. So I went to the local Browns Forest in Hendersonville, which is my go-to. Got a small bouquet of flowers, rolled up the papers, put them in that bouquet, went into her employer. They got me walked right to her, walked up to her, handed her the flowers. Again, being creative, just off the cuff, I said, we always take pictures for our Facebook page. Do you mind if I take your picture? So I used my cell phone, took a picture of her smiling with the flowers and the uh, subpoena rolled up inside and then advisor that you know, <laughs> check court documents inside the flowers and have a good day. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. You know, I just, while you were talking, I, I guess if you're out of work actor, I mean, actors, I think would be fabulous if you were going to, you know, do some, some kind of situations like that where they can really uh, pull something off uh, really fierce. Absolutely. And uh, not to mention that actually one of my PIs <laughs> um, does some acting, which is phenomenal. Again, you can, always be in character, change character, adapt and overcome instantly. So yeah, that's something I've, you know, again, that kind of creative mindset is, uh, an artistic is kind of imperative in the PI world, again, to, uh, you know, make the best of your situation to your advantage. And I, I think that's interesting because I think, I think a lot of people, when they think PI, automatically think, well, you, you, you've got to be in law enforcement or uh, have law enforcement experience or military experience. I mean, I know all that helps, but it, it's really not a requirement. 
No, it's not. But I mean, we're a couple instances or one instance that's helped me with law enforcement background as being a PI. I had um, an author contact me about she was doing a, writing a serial killer novel and contacted me about being the technical advisor for the for an investigative or detective law enforcement position. You know, I stated my background as a police captain, detective, then of course, you know, years as a PI. Uh, brought me on board, and so I was the uh, law enforcement or technical advisor on that serial killer novel that went nationwide and was in Barnes and Nobles. And that, so it was kind of a neat experience. So was that the D.B. Cooper situation? No, that was a different one. Oh. <laughs> so you have another one. Yeah, that's another situation. That, uh, it's kind of really neat and unique where I met Scott Couch, which lives in Hendersonville off Fox 17 News, at a... Uh, at a parade in Hendersonville when he was emceeing the event. And I was out actually shooting some drone video for that event. And uh, we connected and asked for a card. And I just built a relationship there where he referred my PI business to the newsroom where Guardian Detective Agency is the go-to for all of Fox 17 investigative news. Mm. So I'll get a text on my phone trying to find out information or look up somebody or backgrounds. And uh, so we get information they have the, the scoop on the story right away and uh gosh i think it was maybe a year and a half or two years ago now one instance comes to mind where um the lady from tennessee ran into uh, a gate at the white house and you know a lot of stuff i haven't even seen the news yet and they're calling me because they have the story you know it's just coming out and uh they told me what happened and the i guess it came out with just a plate number that's all they had of that vehicle so I ran the plate number and I found out who it was. Then I ran the background on that person, sent that to the newsroom. It was kind of unique because Fox 17 News out of Nashville had the latest breaking story on that situation in Washington from Guardian Detective Agency's resources. Well, and that, that's quite interesting. I mean, you never know when the services are going to be needed or somebody's going to see you and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, you know, you get in, it's all marketing, man, and who you know and contacts that you make. So if we had a, a situation where somebody wanted to hire you as a, as a PI, how would they go about doing that? And just go to our website and you can fill out the contact form. We're at truthneedsproof.com. Again, that's truthneedsproof.com. And you can find us also on the Better Business Bureau site. That's something if you're looking for PIs, I would highly recommend um, finding somebody who's reputable, has um, great reviews on Yelp, Google. We get a lot of referrals from those. I've probably built, I've never really advertised my business over 21 years. It's just been from mm -hmm. referrals. Yeah. And that's phenomenal to, uh, to grow that. With, and I've done that with, through ethics, integrity, going above and beyond to help people and just be passionate and just love what I do. And you've been really involved in the community in a lot of different uh, projects, haven't you? Yeah, that's one thing. Um, you know, I'd say was from a small town in northeastern Indiana, kind of moved all over the U.S., then landed in Hendersonville 11 years ago. And other than where I grew up, this is the only other place that's felt like home, truly, and really connected to the community and become involved, um, built a lot of relationships. And even over the last 10 years in the community, I stepped up. I'm the director of the Hendersonville Youth Christian Basketball League. Mm -hmm. It's a co-ed basketball league for kids 4 to 14 years old. And I've been the director of that last 10 years. And unfortunately, we had to shut down our season this, this year due to, to COVID. So looking to 
come back strong next year or even maybe have some camps during the summer. Also, I'm on the board of directors of the Friends of Indian Lake Peninsula, which is mm-hmm. uh, in Hendersonville off Indian Lake Road. There's 73 acres of uh, farmland that was going to be overdeveloped with housing and this nonprofit formed to try to help save that land. And again, I'm on that board of directors and we were successful and saved 73 acres of farmland to be used as a passive park. And we're doing that in conjunction with uh, the city of Hendersonville and parks department. And I think don't they, aren't they going to have a, like a, a big event out there is like a, uh, some kind of run or some kind of fundraiser. No, actually, we're having um, and just kind of an open house where the community come out because the, the park is not open to the public yet. We still need to establish some of the guidelines as far as parking and some improved trails. But we're having uh, a hike the hill and walk the farm event mm-hmm. on November 7th, Saturday, November 7th, from 1 to 4 p.m. And again, you can walk the whole property, hike the hill. We're going to have some food trucks out there, scavenger hunt for kids with prizes some rock painting for everyone and we'll have a live band out there as well. And I know I, I saw that and we'll help you guys out promote that here as it starts getting closer, but how would somebody get information uh, on, on those events? You go to the Facebook page for the friends of Indian Lake. I think it's friends of Indian Lake. Just Facebook page is the, the main, main topic or even follow mm-hmm. myself on Facebook. I mean, uh, Michael Sands, and I'm always posting those events. But you always see in like a lot of the hit pages around Hendersonville Gallatin, being on the board and connected. I share all those events on those pages as well. Well, I mean, social media is definitely it, um, you know, with all kinds of events that you, you have going on and such. So I think, it, you know, it's something that you should be proud of and, and, and helping, you know, the community, I think, is very important. We're up against our final break right now. We're going to be back to talk to Michael about some uh, other activities in his life. And we've kind of find out he's a pretty versatile guy. So we'll be right back right after these messages from FNM Bank. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Well, we're glad you found us this morning here for Sumner County Spotlight. We're talking with private investigator Michael Sands, and I'm Jeff Shannon, and uh, let's jump into Michael Sands and his vast amount of, of wisdom and entrepreneurship. And uh, you also have, we talked a little bit earlier about the, the drone business, and you kind of took that and, and made it a step further. So what are the things, uh, tell us about that company. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. When uh, I mentioned earlier, I started out with needing a drone for a PI case a couple years ago. Then uh, just being connected in the community and having relationships like the Hendersonville Chamber, a couple other organizations, everybody knew I was a certified drone pilot. Then started asking if I could do, shoot videos or pictures for parades, special events, golf tournaments, National okay. Symphony. It actually evolved into its own business where I was under the PI. Then I realized I had to start a second company. So... Um, year and a half ago, Envision Drone Media evolved and uh, was primarily just a drone company out flying, doing projects, editing videos for people and doing uh, real estate from the air. And uh, amazingly enough, uh, one of my real estate clients, um, their photographer couldn't make it. She asked if I could do photos inside too. Of course, sure, why not? I've got the equipment. I've 
professional photographer, videographer for uh, 19, 20 years as a PI. So let's see, let's make it work. Actually went pretty well. Then, you know, I'm one of those, how can I make myself better and be the best at what I do? Um, started doing more for this realtor and just grew out of referrals to where my niche within Vision Draw Media became real estate, inside pictures and out. Then evolved to 4K walkthrough virtual tours, then 3D Matterport tours, to full cinematic video production of these homes uh, mm-hmm. and make them stand up from other comps on the market and sell them within days instead of weeks. Then, again, you know how with that niche, start doing marketing videos for companies. That's something I do a lot of now is uh, one to five minute marketing videos for companies to showcase their business products, services, special events online that we can share on all multimedia platforms. So it's been a been a true blessing uh, where I'm pretty much doing the media business full time and managing the PI company and filling in where I need to. Yeah, and that's uh, you know, I mean, you got to be versatile these days, and 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 just be flexible with things. But um, having that the you know the drone business, I mean, it's so hot right now, and then the fact that you have you know all the experience and knowledge of the rules that are required. I mean, uh, you had any stories of you know, realtors and things like that that just want really bizarre kind of stuff that you you have to pull them back on? I haven't had any too crazy, but. Again, where I'm creating with my videos, a lot of the realtors, when they first contacted me, said, we want drone video inside. And we've seen your videos. I was like, well, actually, don't fly the drones in the house because kind of my niche is <laughs> I'll show the area, the outside area, neighborhood of the house, and I fly to the front door for the drone. Then in post-video production, I do a transition where it looks like actually the drone flies in the front door. Mm. So I have a camera on a three-axis gimbal where I'm walking through doing my video tour. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people actually think I'm flying the drone through the front door into the house. Right. So it's kind of kind of unique. But I've had a couple of instances where I did have a drone in a house where we had you know a three story foyer and always to get that unique view I'm looking for. Um, launch a drone in a house, put it up in the air in the corner, and show the vast square footage of the home and maybe slowly descend it and kind of make that cinematic production of uh, the whole view of the house. Yeah, and, and you know what the tools have become so vast. I mean, I think when real estate photography, you know, the realtors started using it, it was it's pretty hideous because they would walk around with their little cameras and try to take pictures of rooms, and the lighting was terrible. And uh, you know, then they they started coming up with these three sixty cameras. And do, do you use that that three sixty job? Yes, I have a Matterport three um, D camera that it's not not the little three sixty cameras, but this is true three um, D. We do a on the tours online when clients click on my videos they can click and go through the house themselves look up look down zoom in zoom out go up and down the stairs at their own pace i mean we had um somebody moved from new york to um this area and the realtor they'd actually this family actually put an offer on a house in brentwood but then one of one my 3d tours went online they actually put an off pulled that and put an offer on a house in hendersonville that did a 3d tour mm-hmm. on which sold that house. Yeah. Well, I know when we were moving here, you know, if somebody is not familiar with an area, they have no idea, I mean, what to expect or what's around it. One of the, the, the big things that, that we found was that, that I can go on there and, you know, where you get the drone where it flies right into the beginning of the community, goes down the street, you can see what the neighborhood looks like, uh, I think is, is really cool. And then the fact that, you know, the you, you come right up to the house, you can see the property all the way around. Uh, and then as you go in, 
you're, you're actually, you know, viewing the actual house. And a lot of the times these, these things sell just from the video alone. Is that, that, that what you're finding? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, uh, that's something when we're doing neighborhoods, um, I'll showcase the amenities in the area, in the neighborhood, um, workout facilities, pools, uh, community centers, all of that as well. But as even last week, um, in Clarksville, I had a house, uh, did a, uh, just a walkthrough virtual tour on and pictures. And once we dropped the video online on MLS and shared that video on social media in nine hours, there was an offer on the house. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, it, it, using technology, I mean, that's what we have to do. Just like we have to use social media so much now with uh, all of the platforms. I mean, I think it's just a must for, for any business. And, and you're pretty involved with all of the uh, social media platforms. Yes, absolutely. I mean, for each of my businesses, I have their own pages, my personal page. That's something kind of unique I do for all my clients. If I do a video for them, I put it on my YouTube page. Then I share that video on all the multimedia platforms um, throughout Middle Tennessee. And so, and I don't charge for that. That's just something I do, mm -hmm. being passionate about what I do and sharing uh, my products and the clients' services or their, their properties. Mm -hmm. And again, immediately you get two to 5,000 impressions just from me sharing it for them. Yeah. And I, I, and I think that's awesome that you provide that service. And, you know, a lot of times it's really not all about the money. I mean, we, we have to make money, obviously, but there, there's the things that you offer to clients that they certainly appreciate. And having these kinds of tools available, um, I think, is very important. What, what are some of the other uh, items that you use for the interior um, kind of photography, the, the different gimbals and such? For missing a walkthrough tours, I have a uh, DJI Ronin S, which DJI is the main brand of the drones I use as well. And um, very stable, again, being creative. Again, it's how to make my property stand out for my clients is you know, just being creative and showing them cinematically. Where I'll even, um, in some areas, put that gimbal on a monopod and have it close to the ceiling and bring it down just having all kinds of different unique views that you would never see being inside a house mm -hmm. to make those stand out. Well, and, and, you know, technology I think is, is there and it's going to continue to improve. And I think for uh, any realtor that wanting to showcase a property to me, it just, it's just a, a no brainer these days that you, you pretty much have to do it and get away from taking, using your phone to take pictures of a, of a property and, and, you know, bathrooms and you just don't get it. I mean, it just does not sell uh, the property to me. And having this type of availability, I think, is important. And back in Orlando, I, I knew a lot of architectural photographers and, in, you know, doing interiors and exteriors and such. And you could tell the difference when somebody, you know, has a passion for a certain kind of photography. You just find that that really works. I, I would get calls, people asking me to do that. And that's just was not my thing. So, I, I did not do, I would refer it to a friend. How are your referrals uh, going in this area? Uh, the referrals have been phenomenal. I mean, even had people contact me about doing weddings and that's something I don't do. Yeah. I don't have an interest in, yeah. but I have a photographer, a friend that I built a relationship with that does that. But I get referrals to do the aerial shots for weddings. Like um, last year we had an equestrian wedding uh, where I done all the drone video uh, showing that and showcasing that. And that photographer edited all the, the shots for that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a unique situation. Uh, just kind of branched out and doing, again, how creative you can be and 
know, situations and make the most of it. Again, technology is phenomenal, but the thing is you need to hire somebody who knows what they're doing and how to use it. And, and absolutely, because uh, somebody has a passion and a vision for what they do, I think you're going to get a lot better product. I mean, there's no question about that. So another avenue that we've found, because you're, you're such a versatile talent, we, we just have to throw in your musical abilities and what you're involved in with the music business. So let's jump in and find out what you're about. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, music's always been a passion of mine as well, too. Um, growing up a child in the 80s, um, wanted to learn an instrument. So when I was 13, uh, my mom sent me to a lady from a church and learned piano, took three months of lessons. And I said, that's enough. So then I started, got a keyboard, was playing keyboards on my own, started a band, uh, took off and uh, then through college and just you know, having the interest of learn. I played percussion, learned guitar, bass. They evolved into uh, bass is kind of my niche instrument where I really enjoy. And been in bands over the years and uh, played off and on. But, of course, I moved in the Nashville area 11 years ago, and you meet a lot of people. Um, started playing some bands. Then about six years ago, met a um, new guy from my church and uh, asked me to be interested in doing like a two-man thing around town. Uh, him on guitar, myself on bass. Met on a Saturday, put about 30 songs together, so 30, 40. And it's kind of neat how small town this area is. The next day, my two daughters were over at our neighbors um, at a birthday party for one of their three daughters. And the uh, father of the daughter introduced me to his sister. And she said, Kevin says you play music. Um, what do you do? And I told her, and I said, we're doing a two-man thing right now. And she gave me her card and wrote a guy's name and cell phone number on it. Said, call him. Tell me your friend of mine. I guess she booked... Uh, does the books for Tootsie's Rippies and a couple of places downtown. And uh, so I called this guy the next day. So our first gig for the two of us was Tootsie's downtown Nashville. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. That's awesome. And Rippies across the street, then uh, brought in his John's best friend from college. We taught him how to play guitar. Then we started playing all over. So we do a lot of special events and play a lot around uh, Hendersonville a lot. We're kind of the regular at, um, Anchor High Marina, the rudder. We play there first Friday every month the last couple of years and probably the next several. So what about what about weddings? No. We don't, don't, <laughs> don't do weddings. You do a lot of special like corporate events or private parties, but yeah, we haven't done any wedding. Yeah, the wedding business is kind of a unique beast, that's for sure. A lot of fun, but you know, it's kind of a long gig for sure. So, ha- have you have you guys really thought about? Are you going to jump into recording or pursuing it any farther than just doing local gigs? Uh, pretty much just play regionally. It's uh, myself and my other bandmate. We're all dads, business owners, so we have real jobs <laughs> that make money. <laughs> yeah, because um, I would. I mean, I play music for free, but we get paid a little bit to to play out. So, uh, no, cause we do with our niches, we do a little bit of every genre covers and mm-hmm. kind of our way, it kind of blues it up a little mm-hmm. bit. So it's kind of unique and it goes off well and we just have a lot of fun doing it. So no, we'll just kind of stay regional and, uh, just keep having fun. So when you're playing, you primarily just play bass or are you, you playing other instruments? I don't really just play bass bass and sing and harmonize. All right. Well, good. Let's uh, sing us a tune right here. Um, uh, just kidding. <laughs> throw, throw you on the spot for that. 
Um, well, you know, I think it's, you know, with all of your, your ventures with the, the PI business, your, um, the drone business, um, how did you come up with an, I was just looking at your, your logo. How did you come up with the, the name of your business? The guardian. Well, more so the envision the, the drone business. It was a while of sitting down for a few hours, just going through a bunch of different names, hammering them out, and mm-hmm. see what my wife thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> got to kick it around. And, uh, <laughs> you know that whole thing. I take every situation, and you know, even with the photography, videography, trying to get those most unique angles that most people don't get or see, and just kind of what I envision. Mm-hmm. And I always ask my clients too. You know what? what's their expectations what do they envision and we come up with a plan together and uh and make the the videos work and stand out so it's kind of just that creativeness of envision is what i launched it yeah great idea you know and we were we were talking about music and I, we have to bring up you know the the recent passing of eddie van halen and such an icon in the music business and a, a sad loss for everybody he went through some you know, a pretty bad situation, um, you know, the way he passed. And uh, and I think you've probably seen him a couple of times, haven't you? Yeah. I think we mentioned previously that, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of theirs growing up. I mean, I actually still have CDs and a couple of videos. But, yeah, I've seen him in concert growing up, and uh, they're amazing. So that was a super sad loss. And, yeah, a couple of stuff. Well, you know, and over the years in the radio business, we play all genres of music and such, and you you, you listen to these musicians uh, and how great and talented that they really are. And I, I think a lot of people really start appreciating them once they pass because they realize, wow, we that was, you know, such a, a great talent as many of the, the talent that has passed that lives right here in Hendersonville. I mean, if you go back to the history of everybody that in the music business that has lived here or graced the shores of the peninsula, uh, been on the lake and that kind of thing, the history is just mind boggling. And, you know, being involved in the music business is, is something that is very special. And I think we need to embrace because, you know, these folks aren't going to be with us forever and you know how we honor them by you know with you guys in the music you know doing covers and and playing their music and and just keeping all of that alive i think is just uh, uh, amazing that you you guys are doing that yeah it's a it's a true treasure and gift that they give and just seeing how some of these creative these guys are i may never be as good as a lot of these people but you know it's a tribute for sure and uh, i enjoy sharing that with everybody well, we, you know, we certainly appreciate you and uh, spending time with us, kind of enlightening us on, on a lot of the factors, especially with the detective agency. I think a lot of people were, were kind of in the dark, didn't know what to expect with that, but you've really educated us on that. We, we appreciate your time. Thank you for doing that. Join us again next week for more of Sumner County Spotlight right here on WHIN. You're going to be able to listen to this again by going to whinradio.com. You can check out the latest podcast section. And it should be up there on Monday morning. So check that out, as well as the other spotlights that we have listed there for you. This is Jeff Shannon. Join us again for another Sumner County Spotlight brought to you by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfnmbank.com. We'll see you next week.
Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.